Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As Associate Pastor Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Uh, Genesis chapter 41. Of course, I mentioned to you a few times ago when I spoke that when I was going to speak throughout this year, I was going to talk about the life of Joseph. So we're going to talk about that again tonight. And uh, we're going to be in Genesis 21 talking uh, about that. We talked about, uh, I guess this will be the fourth time, about the life of Joseph. And I mentioned uh, uh, the first week about, we talked about uh, that God meant these things that were happening to him for Joseph's good that they were good for him and help him in his life and uh, what was going on at that time. And we talked about, uh, I think second week, we talked about how uh, he was going to get strengthened out of sorrow. We talked about a little bit about how the sorrow gives us strength and gives us the uh, encouragement and the faith we need to keep going on, serving God in light of what's going on. And then last time we talked about, uh, about the Lord being with Joseph and all that he was going through. And tonight I want to talk about uh, this thought this evening about uh, when God works on the other end. And I want to jump, don't want to jump ahead in my notes here this evening, but uh, while God's working on you, let me, I will preface it, uh, he's preparing something down the road for you, and he's getting that ready also. And even though we don't see it, and we don't understand it, uh, whether we see it or not, God is really at work in our lives, uh, whether we're at the moment... Uh, in the middle of something ourselves, or he's preparing something down the road for us. Uh, it's, it's happening. We don't necessarily see it. We'll talk about that a little bit this evening. And it's often easier for us to, uh, easier time for us believing that God can work in us if, you know, we pray and we think about things we may want or need or something we need to get uh, help to get through. And uh, we kind of get selfish, if you would. I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, concerned about ourselves. And uh, we don't see what's going on down the road. And we need to realize that God's working at this end with us right now. And he's also working on the next end for you. And we'll talk about that tonight. And I hope he'll illustrate a little bit to you this evening. When Joseph's in prison and God was working on his behalf, at the same time he was working with Joseph in prison, I want you to realize something. He was working with Pharaoh at the palace. God was working on more than one thing at one time. Even though we're centered on Joseph in the story, he had to be working on Pharaoh and his life would have been in the palace because what was going to happen in the future, Pharaoh had to be ready for it and what was going on. So we're going to start, uh, we're going to look at some verses here in chapter 41. Uh, we're going to start reading verse number one. So if we would, as we normally do, would you stand? We'll uh, jump into this. I think we're going to read about 14 verses about the story. I know it's familiar to many of us, but I believe tonight, if you'll listen to me, I can help you. This may be more of a pastoral Sunday morning message in a Bible study tonight. But I want to help all of us uh, as we go through life. Look at verse number one. And it came to pass uh, at the end of two full years that Pharaoh deemed, and behold, he stood by the river. Behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine. What's a kine? Cattle, all right. And some of them were fat, right? Fat-fleshed, and they fed in the meadow, and behold, seven other kind came up, uh, came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean, fished, uh, flesh, I'm sorry, fleshed. And they were skinny little runts. And God help a skinny little runt, by the way. 
uh, we need some meat in our bones. Amen. And anyhow, but and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river and the ill favored and the lean fleshed kind did eat up seven, uh, seven well flavored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke and he slept and he dreamed a second time. So he's like many of us. You wake, you have a good dream, wakes you up and you go back to sleep and you start dreaming another dream. You've been there. Yeah, I've been there. And uh, and behold, seven years of corn came up upon one stalk and rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. <coughs> ears and, and Pharaoh awoke and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for all all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and he put me inward in, uh, in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream one night, and I and he, uh, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew, a servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams, to each man according to his dream. Did he interpret? It came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto my office, and him uh, he hanged. <laughs> That's a good ending to the story. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and shaved himself and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. Thank you, Lord, for the time we have this evening to take a few moments and look into your word. May you encourage us this evening, realizing how you're working in our lives, even in places that we don't even see yet that are coming around the corner. They're down the road. They're coming. May we be uh, open our eyes and open our heart to see what you have for us this evening. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you all. You may be seated this evening. Two full years have passed since Joseph had been falsely accused and placed in the king's prison for a crime that he didn't commit. And while two of Pharaoh's servants, as we read here a little bit ago, the baker and the butler were there by Pharaoh, and you know the story how they were troubled by dreams, and Joseph interpreted them dreams, and those dreams came to pass. And I, I really, as you read the story and just try to put yourself there, can you imagine the butler? Forgetting about Joseph, who told him he was going to get his job back. And his, I'm going to say, associate, the, the baker, was hung. Wouldn't you think that was something that would actually affect your life, that this guy in prison, but yet the baker, I mean, the butler didn't say anything about it when he got out to Pharaoh or anything like that. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And Joseph talked with the butler about remembering uh, when he was restored. And obviously, he didn't tell the baker to remember me when you, when you get restored. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't going to get restored. But I can imagine that Joseph thought, uh, thought uh, any movement, uh, any time, any moment, there's going to be a rattling of the prison doors. The bars are going to shake. Uh, there's going to be a garrison coming in to rescue me. Uh, an angel of the Lord is going to come with a big old sword in his hand or something, rescue me. And two more years, he's sitting there in prison. No one's coming after him. No one's answering uh, his prayers. Days and weeks pass and years. And, of course, Joseph's faith was, 
was not in the butler, but it was in God. And he hopes. He said, well, my dreams that I thought were going to happen, I thought about the dreams that I had back as a young man and my brothers got mad at me about, and I thought about home and my family and where I'm at, and here I am stuck here. Listen, I don't, he's still human. And he's still in prison. And humanly speaking, you're going to think about what could be and what's happen, happening right at the moment. You're going to, it's just all, uh, natural. And Joseph talked with God, and God worked in his life. But what Joseph was learning was that God was doing something down the road at the end for Joseph. You know, all of us have difficulties we have to deal with in our lifetime. Whether the circumstances may be, whatever they may be, all of us will face some difficulties in our life, but God is working on the other end. Let me get a couple of illustrations personally. Uh, I never remember, Andrew and I decided we were going to go off to college and uh, go to Bible college and sell up everything we had, and, and I kid around a little bit, but we did have our first house. We owned our, we're buying our first house. Our first house cost $9,000. It cost, more, it cost less than my car cost I was driving. But uh, we had bought it and fixed it up and all that, and, and uh, we sold everything we didn't need. We had a nice dog that we had, had uh, got from a puppy, and we, we gave him away, and I had a 900 Kawasaki. I sold it. Sold my pickup truck. And I, I mean, I was giving it up now. Come on now. And uh, I thought about selling Andrea, but she wouldn't budge. And, uh, but... But we sold what we didn't need, and we put everything in a little 9 by 12 U-Haul trailer, and we towed it on the back of our Monte Carlo up Turnpike to uh, Indiana to go to school. And look, we didn't have a job. The day we signed the papers to sell our house, we got a check uh, from the real estate. The real estate agent bought it off of us. We got the check. We went to the bank and cashed the money, took the cash, and took the money and ran. And uh, we left that afternoon to go to Bible college uh, and get going. So, listen, we didn't know what to expect. We get up there to, to college, and uh, we met with a, a man at the college who, who helped uh, students with uh, employment and all that, and he said, and so I walked his office, he said, uh, he, said he, was a, he, was, <laughs> he was from West Virginia originally, and just an old mountain guy still in college. He graduated from the college, but he said, uh, he said your name's Barry. I said, yeah. He said, he said, I just got a call this morning from a guy. He's looking for a mechanic. He said, didn't you tell me that you're, I said, yeah, I'm a GM certified mechanic. He said, well, he's looking for somebody like you. Just call me this morning. You need to go see him. So I went to go visit this guy at his garage. He wasn't too far away from where we were staying at at the moment. And uh, his name was Warren Storm. Still text with him, talk with him. I get letters from him even today. Just last week I got a letter from him. But uh, uh, he, he had just left the dealership, started his own garage, and uh, was overloaded with work. My application was this. He opened up a drawer full of parts, and he asked me to name them all. That was my interview. Can you name all these stuff? I named them all. I named what they did, named how to work. And, of course, back then, electronics were out, and computers were in the cars, and he showed me a scanner, and I got the scanner out and plugged it in. I went all through other stuff with me because it was really secondhand to me. And uh, he said, when can you start? This was on a Friday. And he, had, he said, I got 12 cars backed up in the back that I can't get, I can't get to them, can't get them out, have to find somebody to do the work. When can you start? I said, I'll start Monday. Monday was Labor Day. But uh, as I've always been prone to, I'm not afraid to work. 
need to get to work. Looking, well, I'm over here trying to sell my house and sell my dog and my motorcycle and, my, and see if I can keep my wife or not, you know, all these things over here. God's got this guy from Maryville, Indiana, going out on his own to start a business and, uh, from a dealership and starting his own little thing going on, and he needed a mechanic, and, and my ac- and hours were flexible. I could go in the afternoon after classes. I'd go and work, work later in the evening. And uh, see, God was working over here with me. He's over here working with Warren Storm. I spent all my time I was there working for him uh, while I was there. And he was a deacon at the church, at the church there. And uh, deacon and very involved. And I'd get off on Wednesday night go to services. And, and uh, uh, he was very flexible. And uh, why? God was working on both ends. Right? I don't know. If you picked up a move and not really had a job or a place to live, I mean, that's not really the best thing to do. But you know, I did that again, don't you? When I came here, I did the same thing. 18 years pastor in that church up there in, in the Pittsburgh area. 18 years pastor in that church and, and uh, thought I was going to stay there forever, retire there. Uh, things were fine at the church when I left there. They were great, but God was clear as bell to myself and Andrea. But many of you heard the story before. I'll, I'll make a brief synopsis of it this evening. But it was clear as a bell. It was time to resign and, and uh, uh, time to move on for whatever reason. I didn't know. I didn't know the reason. So we started going online. I bought a house, the house, first house we had, we bought it online, on the internet. And uh, it, was, it was fine. It was a good deal. Worked out great. Worked out fine, all that. And uh, I had a job. I had all summer to get a job lined up. I was going on Indeed. You know, looking for any kind of job, mechanic job, manager job, whatever. Uh, I didn't even talk to, uh, I even talked to Pastor Parker uh, because I was told that he, uh, uh, that he kind of was in the area forever and knew churches that maybe needed a pastor not knowing the whole story, and uh, he even called me. I think I was in Pennsylvania. He called me back and told me what was going on. So I sent him a resume and, and all that about uh, who I was and what was going on. But uh, by the time that all happened through the summer, and I left, we left up there to come down, or I had no job. Had a place to live, though, but no job. We get here, and, of course, Pastor Parker's on the phone. Hey, you need to come visit Central, of course. You know, Pastor Parker, that's exactly what he's going to say. Then next time I saw him in person, you need to join Central, he said. But anyhow, but then somebody, one other guy I know in here said, you need to try maybe Central. Not realizing that when we bought the house over here we bought, we were five minutes away from the church. Didn't know that, right? Okay, with me? God's working on both ends, right? Let's give me, let me give you the other end. Come to Central and find out you got a new pastor. He just became the pastor, Former pastor, been there 38 years and was retiring. Pastor Dean, of course, has been there for years. You know that story. And all of a sudden, you know, we come in, join. What are you going to do? We come to join and got involved. I didn't come looking for a job. I didn't come looking for a place in the ministry. I didn't know he was even looking to hire anybody yet. I'm figuring he's probably getting his feet wet, you know, uh, being the pastor and all the things happening, going on. And, and uh, we came in, Andrew and I came in, we got busy, as I think everybody should, get busy in their church doing something. And uh, I practiced what I preach. I was sitting there before I was on staff, right? And uh, it's, we like to be plugged in. And uh, then all of a sudden one day, hey, Pastor Dean texts me, hey, can we have lunch? No idea. Almost two years later after we're here, hey, would you mind coming and working with me at the church? 
See, folks, while God's working with you over here, he's working over here with somebody else for what's next for you. But I had no idea. I had no idea. Well, what would you do? You said you didn't have a job. What would you do? I started a business, started a handyman business. And, of course, the, the market was booming when I got here and all kinds of work to do, all kinds of things to do. I could pick and choose and stay pretty busy. And uh, so God took care of that. Uh, God always blesses a hard worker. These are just little tips to live by. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this is why God's dealing with Andrew and I over here about what we need to do and just trust him by faith to go ahead and pick up and move and leave all your family behind grandkids. God's working over here with a young pastor and a young pastorate. Say, this is going to be the end for you. That's what I'm going to get to tonight. Listen, you don't know what's happening the next step in your life. But what God's dealing with you over here, he's got something for you over here. He's already working on getting it ready. You just don't understand. That's what we're going to talk tonight about Joseph. If I ever get to the lesson uh, and go, go on here. But God's working in the lives of people and that we have to deal with. And people whose lives touch our lives every day and day by day. And, and God's working on the other end, even though we may not realize that. And give me some points. I'll give you some points quickly about this thought. How can this happen? Well, first of all, I think in Joseph's life, number one, I think Joseph realized he needed to honor God. Even though he was in prison. Even though he was falsely accused. I think he realized that we need to honor God. And I think we need to realize that whatever we're going through in our life, that we ought to honor God wherever we're at. Even though it may seem unbearable, we need to honor God. First Samuel talks about the fact that, that, uh, uh, that be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor. And them that despise me uh, shall, be lightly, shall not be lightly esteemed. God says, listen, if you honor me, I'm going to honor you. But if you despise me, I'm going to lightly esteem you. And I found out in my life to be true, no matter what's happening, if I honor God, if I do right by God, then he does right by me. And many things, and I use some big illustrations tonight for two things, but I could tell you multiple little stories in our lives where God is working on it. And I'm sitting there saying, wow, God was in this thing the whole time. He was working with this thing the whole time. Uh, and uh, God deserves to be honored. Do we believe that God is, there's a real God in heaven who sees us and knows all about us? Do we believe tonight that no matter what we're saying or what people are, are, uh, around us are doing, God sees our hearts and he knows what's going on inside of us. And the word of God promises us that if we honor him, he'll honor us. Even in the fact those who despise him, he lightly esteems. That's kind of a promise there. But Joseph locked up in prison was seen by only a few other prisoners. Yet he was true to the Lord. In Potiphar's house, he found himself alone. We talked about this last time. He found himself alone with uh, uh, Mrs. Potty, I'm going to call her. And uh, she had sent everybody out of the house, and she had, done his best to try, she had done his best to try to trick him and to tempt him. And so she finally sends everybody out of the house so no one knows, and she even says what she's done. And uh, I mentioned this the last time, that God was real to him, and he honored God. He said, I'm not going to sin against you or Potiphar or uh, my, my family. I'm going to sin against God if I do this thing. What is he doing? He's honoring God and not sinning with her. He continued to do right even though everything seemed to be going wrong. 
But God was not finished with them yet. Joseph realized that the Lord deserves our honor. Listen tonight, we know that God's eternal. And we know tonight that he's almighty. And we know that he's omnipotent. And we know that he's omniscient. And we know that, that uh, meaning that he not only uh, is with us and he's proven himself to us, but he's also everywhere with those who follow him, everywhere in the world, working with them the same way. And sometimes he's getting ready, ready to get the two, of the two of you together for something. Something over here you're doing, something over here uh, he's doing someone else, and sooner or later it's going to get together uh, in our lives. So if he can work today uh, to our end, certainly he can be working on the other end. Now, look, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if this is the end for me. I used to say, I'm here till hell freezes over, right? Or God hits me on the head with a two-by-four. But I got to be careful when you say that because God has a way of moving you. But I know right now, what's going on right now, and I'm, there's nothing, nothing in the fire, folks. Don't, don't, get, don't get scared here. Or say, good, he's leaving. Uh, that Yankee's finally getting out of here. Don't, don't say that. But what I'm saying is this, I don't know if God has another end over here for us. I'd rather not move again. I already got the Biltmore, no sense of moving again. Right, Brother Ed? And, uh, and no sense of moving again. That's what I, anyhow, it's an inside joke. But anyhow, but, but I don't know what the other end is. But right now, I'm going to honor God today. I'm going to honor God tomorrow. I'm going to honor him every day I can in my life. And whatever, if this is the end, then this is the end. And praise the Lord, we're, we're going to get old together. Right? Think of the person who has a need. Someone you know and love who needs the Lord at this moment. And I want you to know that God can work on that end with that person just as readily as he can work in your heart for whatever you may need to do to help that person along. How do I know this? I find this over and over again in the word of God. Joseph was just was in jail trusting God. He was praying to the Lord and honoring uh, the Lord. And while Potiphar was temp Potiphar's wife was tempting him, and he was the one who acknowledged the Lord and said he wasn't going to sin. When the butler baker shows up, he, as we talked about, read about already, and he said, listen, uh, uh, here's your interpretation. And God, the whole time, is working with these guys here. He's got to be working with Pharaoh over here. Because let me show you a little, little insight of this. We need to remind ourselves again and again about what God is able to do. And if we, are, we honor him or on us, my confidence is not what I can do, but it's in what he can do. My confidence is not what I might be able to say. My confidence is not what I might be able to share with someone else from the word of God. My confidence is in the quiet place the secret place in my life where I've chosen to honor God and I believe that God will keep his word. Number two, not only do I think uh, we see here that, God, that we need to honor God, number two, I think we ought to realize this, that God does speak to men. God does speak to men and women, sorry. I know, I got that wrong. I don't want to be, no, that's going to be funny. I'm not going to do that. God speaks to all of us. How's that? Get me out of trouble. And uh, what's the right pronoun? I'm not sure what the right pronoun is. But anyhow, he, he speaks to all of us, right? In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, right? 
hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. And now we know he speaks to us by his Holy Spirit, right? First it was the prophets of old, then it was his Son, Jesus Christ, and now it is, now it is the, uh, the Spirit of God in our lives. He speaks to us, and God speaks, did speak to the prophets, and he, did, he does speak to us today. And I'm very thankful that we do not have to bow down and worship some dumb idol. We don't, have to, uh, we don't have a God made out of stone or wood, but we do not have to pray to some picture hanging on the wall or some little thing sitting on the dash of my car. To be honest about today, you better not be, your eyes be anywhere else but on the road when you drive a car today because someone's going to pull out in front of you. <laughs> but we have a true and living God who speaks to people. And I think I may even, you know, refer to this a little bit on Sunday night, but listen, have you heard from God today? Have you heard from God today? Today's almost over. And personally, have you heard from God? Well, I don't know about all that. Listen, I believe God speaks to us. I don't believe it's some audible voice that you can turn down the treble or turn the volume up. But I do believe God speaks to us. He guides us and directs us. And the question is, in my life is this. If, boy, today, if God hasn't said something to me today, what's going on? What's wrong? I hate to imagine that God works only in me. God works in all men who are willing to call upon him. And if God doesn't work on the other end, then the labor over here I'm doing is not really worth much, is it? I believe God does work on the other end in all of our lives, all at the same time. He's on missions. He's got all power. It's nothing for him. He knows what's going on in everybody's heart in the world, which to me just blows my mind, by the way. Because if I know more going on in people's heart, more than two people, my mind's blown, right? But, but he, he, he's, he knows what's going on. And God's working on the other end just as certain as he's working on this end. And are we talking to him? Are we spending time with him? Are we speaking with him? Uh, uh, are, are, as I mentioned, some, are we in the word of God? Do we honor the word of God? Are we getting a dose of it? And uh, uh, how much have you read since Sunday? How's that? That's just a personal question to yourself. How much have you indulged it since Sunday? Why well, been busy? Busy, okay, fill in the blank. What does that word busy mean? What have you been doing? You know, uh, I think Sunday night, Sunday night, I was, as time I got home, I was tired after the old day, Sunday, preaching Sunday night, and uh, not as young as I used to be. I had no problem sleeping Sunday night. But Monday night, I got home, and we went to bed, and, and if I lay in bed more than 15 minutes and don't go to sleep, I'd get up. Now, that's not my character. My character is just as lazy as you are. I'm staying here, I'm going to make myself go to sleep, right? Well, I've, I've decided over a number of years, 15, 20 minutes, I'm still laying there, not sleeping, I'm going to get up. What do, you get, what do you do? I get up and I get the Word of God out, and I read a few chapters. I try to go to sleep again. I can't go to sleep. I read a few more chapters. <gasps> really? So yeah. So I've never fallen asleep while I was reading it. I do stop it, close it up. <laughs> And try to go back to sleep. I don't, but, but uh, uh, you say, well, reading the Bible put you to sleep? No, I said just is finally whatever was going on finally worked out about the system and I could go to sleep and sleep. And uh, of course, some of you know what I mean. You know, you never know uh, where Andrew and I will be waking up the next morning, right? 
We end up in the same bed to go to bed, but by the time the night's over, we may be, she may be on the other bed, and I may be down in the recliner. I mean, who knows, right? How many, how many, how many of you are that way right now in life? Okay, I'll be honest now. You just don't, you don't know. Can't get comfortable. Some young people are like, what's he talking about? You're going to find out. You're going to find out what I'm talking about. And, uh, and you get, anyhow, but, but, uh, but I, I, listen, and God spoke to me. I read, I think it was Monday, I got up, I read all through Colossians. I read all four chapters of Colossians, first thing, Monday night, late. And I uh, uh, just enjoyed spending some time reading Colossians and is where I was at in the reading time. But anyhow, but God's working with us, talking to us. You know, millions have come to the Lord because someone on one end or another is praying and God's working on the other end. And this is the way the Lord works. He moves, he speaks to people. And through a dream, God spoke to Pharaoh and he prodded the memory of the butler to remember Joseph because he already forgot about him. And how does God speak to us? Of course, today we know he understands he speaks to us through his word. When God speaks to us through his eternal word. Many times uh, we have gone in little periods of life and it doesn't have to be a psalm or some favorite comfort verse to you. Just read the Bible and God speaks to you. But uh, many times we have low periods, and actually we're, we're like a spiritual pulley, and we're trying to pull ourselves up. When we use the word of God, is that pulley to pull you up, lift up. Uh, he also, as I mentioned, speaks through his spirit. Speaks through his spirit. Spirit of God indwells every believer. Do we believe that? I believe I'm fully baptized in the spirit of God. You with me? Why? Because I'm saved. I'm trying to honor the Lord. And he speaks to me. He tells me, yeah, you should be doing this, and no, you shouldn't be doing that. Right? And if he's not doing that, then we need to have a talk to you. Uh, either something, something's clogging the roadway, or you're on the wrong road. But he speaks through his word. The Spirit indwells every believer. And how many times in place of surrender and submission to the Lord have we said, boy, God, guide me and lead me and direct me. You, you have sensed, uh, we sense in our heart the leading of the Lord to a certain direction, confirming our thinking, the way we ought to go and to respond. And his spirit speaks to us. And then thirdly, I think he speaks to us through other Christians. Other Christians. God has spoken to me so many times through other people. Proverbs 25 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Perhaps they did not know at the time that God was speaking through them. But as they said things, God used them to speak to you. There's a reason why I never want to miss a service. Because I believe and can testify that God used the preacher, the speaker, to help me. In my Christian life. And that's more valuable to me than really anything else maybe I could be doing. Because I think life's precious. And I want to be able to be, be with God, right with God every step of the way, along the way. And maybe something I'm going to miss uh, that could be said. It may only be one statement out of a 45-minute message or an hour and a half for us, right? But it's only a one, one statement, but that's all I need. That's, all, that's the only pill I need for that day. Is that one little thing. And most often we think that we're living under circumstances and we should be living on top of our circumstances and walk through them victoriously. Sometimes we get the idea that we're the only ones having a hard time. 
The fact that God allows circumstances to come in our life means he wants to speak to us about something. So often disappointments are his appointments that he can speak to us and guide us and lead us. So Pharaoh had a dream. Something circumstantial took place in his life, right? The the magicians, the magicians and the wise men, they couldn't answer the dream. Simple dream, cattle, trees, river, fat, lean. How much harder could it be, right? But they stumbled over it because the wisdom of this world is confounded by the simplicity of Christ. They didn't know what was going on. So God spoke to Pharaoh and worked in the memory of the butler, and they called Joseph. And we're going to get into the, uh, some, something here real quickly, and we'll be finishing up here in the next, I won't, I won't say, I won't give a time frame, but we'll be out here quick. Hang on. After God spoke to Pharaoh about this, uh, Joseph was brought out. Listen, we're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to picture this in time frame in just a few hours, okay? Because when Pharaoh says jump, they jump, right? They jump. Go get this guy out of prison. Uh, get him out of there. The Bible talks about him shaving himself and putting on a new garment. I got a feeling he probably took a shower. He'd been in prison. Probably hasn't been the best place in the world to be living at. He showered, cleaned up, he shaves. Uh, he's got a beard for being a Hebrew. The Egyptians were told in history uh, were clean-shaven people, at least especially in leadership position during this time. An Egyptian and the uh, Hebrews would, would grow beards out. And can you imagine what he's been through in the last few years? And in a matter of a few hours, even could say a few moments, he's standing in front of Pharaoh in his palace. He went from the prison to the palace quickly. Can you imagine? Just, just think about that for a moment. After all he's been through, and now all of a sudden he finds himself standing in front of the leader of the Egyptians, not Potiphar. This is the head honcho. This is the guy. And when God's about to deliver him to prison and make a prince out of him, why? Because he honored God and God honored him. No young man or woman has ever lived that had not dreamed about certain things that they wanted to do. Have you been there? I know some dreams I hear people say, I've always dreamed about this. I just got a feeling like, I don't know about that. That just seems a little far-fetched. When I was a kid, my dreams were not about what I was going to do when I was 30 years old. My dreams were about all the candy, ice cream I could have the next day. Amen? I'm just being serious as a kid. But God was about to bring something wonderful to pass in Joseph's life. Let's go on. Number three is this then. God did what was right at the right time. God did what was right at the right time. Imagine the, if the butler got out of prison. When he got out of the prison, he told Pharaoh about this Hebrew boy that was back in the prison and what he had done. We'll go through that again. Uh, he was wiser than anyone he's ever met. And, and uh, he told us about the dream. And you know how I got my position back and you, you uh, hung the, the uh, baker. And imagine they may have got him out of prison right then and put him in their position with somebody else, never to be around to help Pharaoh right now. In fact, they changed his name when he got out, and uh, some authors believe that his name meant, and uh, uh, if you can pronounce his name, I'll give you $10 after church. 
But his name, many believe his name uh, means, his Egyptian name, a man who has been cleared from adultery. I'm not saying that's exactly for sure. They, people are kind of wishy-washy about it, but that's kind of what they, they believe his name would have meant. It's amazing how God takes care of everything. You see here the timing was not the way you and I would want it. Timing was not the way you and I prefer things sometimes. I mean, when I pray about something, I want it to happen now. How about you? I mean, when I pray, God, do something, I expect the phone to ring, right? And God says, uh, I'm not in any hurry. I'll let you know when it's the right time. I'll take care of it at the right time. God does what's right when it's right to do it. And while God was working on Pharaoh in a dream, stirring the butler's mind about Joseph, Pharaoh repeated his dream to Joseph, and he begins to give him this interpretation of it. We know what it means. Seven years of famine, seven years of plenty. He only told Pharaoh what was going to happen, what was going to happen then. But then he said, listen, you need to plan for it now. You need to be stocking up uh, uh, the buildings now during the seven good years so you can make it through the seven lean years. And he said, he said you need to find somebody who administrate this for you and take care of this because the seven good years that are coming, you need to prepare now and put these places in the city. And lo and behold, you know the story. He chooses Joseph, right, to, be, to ride in the second chariot, right, in a few hours from a prison cell to the second chariot. Because that's God's timing. God's timing. When God wanted it to happen. And he said, since you're the one God spoke to, you're it. You're my new second in command. Can you imagine how all the other guys felt in there in the palace? What about me? What about me? What about me? Right? It should be my job. I've been here forever. I've been loyal to Pharaoh. I didn't try to poison them yet. I'm loyal. Right? What about me? It may have been, it may have been rightfully so. But just hours from the prison, he finds himself second in command. He spends the next seven years going from city to city to city, stockpiling the food so they can make it for the next seven years. And what am I saying this evening? I'm done. Sometimes you're going through something over here, and you have no idea. But over here, God's working over here too when you get over there for your good and for your benefit and for my benefit. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. We thank you for the great example here in the life of, of uh, uh, Joseph and how you've blessed his life and how you used his life in so many ways. And, Lord, I could spend so much time on personal illustrations and church illustrations where you've helped in ministry that I've been a part of for all these years. But, God, you're a God who's working. You're all-knowing. You're all-powerful. Uh, you're working on both ends of everyone's life. And, Lord, how we sure appreciate what you do in our life. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the encouragement from the lesson this evening. And bless the rest of our week. In your name I pray tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.